Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, John Lee. How are you doing, John? Great, man. Great to be on. All right. So uh, this is the part of the podcast where I ask you, our guest, to introduce yourself to the listeners out there, who you are, where you've been, where you're heading. Just a little synopsis. Sure thing. Uh, my name is John Lee. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of PickFu. Uh, PickFu is a platform to get real consumer feedback from your target audience. Um, it's self-service. Uh, you can get great feedback on your game assets, marketing collateral, any of that stuff in just a matter of minutes. So that really unlocks getting to know what's inside your cus- target customers' heads. I've uh, been doing PickFu for a number of years. In the past, ran a number of other businesses with my co-founder. Um, in a prior lifetime, I started off my career as a software developer and product manager at Microsoft um, early on in my career, and have always been into technology and playing video games. Actually, yeah, perfect. Two industries that are changing every day. Uh, I think as, as recently a couple of years or even six months, the last six months, yeah. the landscape have been really changing. Totally. Um, so I'm super excited to have you on. There's always deep respect, at least in the game industry about, you know, user acquisition, user testing, understanding the audience before releasing your product. Yeah. I come from the AAA side of things, which cool. we don't really do too much of that. <laughs> it, it really starts as kind of like a pet project, get a lot of funding and we'll, we'll see. It, it's like a crapshoot three to five years. Let's see if it works or not, which, you know, can be very damaging. Uh, yeah. And in some cases, maybe you get lucky. Um, I would love to kind of just understand, uh, let's go from the beginning. So sure. how did PickFu began? And what was your inspiration behind it? Um, PickFu was actually a tool that we built for ourselves. Um, so my co-founder, Justin, and I were running a different business at the time. Um, and being indie, right? I mean, it wasn't a game, but it was, it was definitely just the two of us. Um, and our backgrounds were in software development and product. So we're not designers by training. Um, given that it was just the two of us, there are all these. There are always always these creative debates that needed to be settled. We would turn to our friends and family, um, but as any developer or creator knows over time, your friends and family obviously are biased. They're always rooting for you, and at some point, they kind of get tired of just giving you feedback on stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so our friends and fam- families were uh, were definitely tired of that. So we built a tool to tap into consumer panels, to get feedback on the things like on the small things that we were debating about and not, not the big things, right? Like um, not whether or not this thing should exist or not, but literally which things like which headline resonates better on this webpage or this, this kind of email copy, or if we're creating a new logo or a new webpage design, which, uh, which one of these options are more, uh, are more compelling. What do you think about it? And so on. And so that's what we built as a side tool for ourselves. We put it out there a number of years ago. Um, and it just kind of took on a life of its own and just grew organically over the years. Um, and one in a couple of different verticals, 
And one of the verticals where it really um, was effective was actually the gaming industry and particularly mobile game studios. Um, there were, I think for a while, PicFu was kind of used as a secret sauce inside a lot of large mobile game studios to help with their um, ASO and their launches and so on. What are some examples that like for, for, for listeners out there, I've been, I've rubbed shoulders in the game, mobile game industry a bit. I worked at a, a Bay area company for a while and it really mm-hmm. opened up my eyes because it was completely, if anything, game developers took a back seat and it was all about like selling the product, user acquisition. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, we make games by the way. And it was yeah. like, it was very humbling at the same time. It was, a learning experience because it was something I felt like the other parts of the game industry was largely missing and uh, basically leads to bad uh, consequences, right? job layoffs yeah. or something just by not knowing the audience or not kind of iterating fast. Yeah. The audience, yeah. Right. So if you can expand on like how these mobile companies kind of use PicFu or yeah. data like that to kind of make game design iterations. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I think, I think you bring up a really good point about sort of the the different approaches of um, mobile versus traditional like platform games or uh, or non mobile game uh, approaches because because there's been so much there's just so much data available on these mobile platforms that the industries those game mobile game studios have leaned so hard into it. Um, the initially PicFu was used by the mobile game um mobile game like marketing managers on the marketing side of things so game launches in the app store um testing different app icons different versions of app icons to make sure that the app uh they're putting their best foot forward right in that competitive marketplace um, and then also testing out different app store screenshots uh, to make sure that the the screenshots that they're putting up in the marketplace uh, the, in the app store are both compelling, but also conveying the right message about the game that they're trying to market. So there's an interesting study where we had one really large game studio. They had uh, they had done a failed failed soft launch they had soft launched i think it was in australia somewhere and then they turned to pick foo came up with i think 10 more 10 new uh mobile app icons tested them all out on pick foo um redid all the artwork as well um in, in terms of the the, the screenshots um, and tested all of those out on pick foo and then used pick foo to iterate uh to figure out the best uh app icon and then also the best set of screenshots plus the proper order of them and then relaunch and then took that into their launch in the US and they've done a lot better since then. Um so that's one way to do it. Um I think with all the data in that mobile games industry the the tendency is to get really myopic in terms of the numbers because there's so much data and so many numbers coming in. Um Recently, I went to a conference called MAU. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. It's uh, it's literally just mobile app acquisition. And it's this huge conference, huge names everywhere. Um, everyone's purely focused on the numbers, right? User yeah. like in, in user acquisition and sort of just that side of the equation. And so I think that um, PicFu kind of provides a nice complement to all of the quantitative side of things, which is, you know, uh, which abounds on that side, but PicFu brings in the qualitative side, um, before you have users, you know, once you have users and players for your games, you can run focus groups to your users and find out what they think. But before you have a large set of, a large enough set of users and gamers, uh, players for your game, and you want to know what your target, uh, gamers think, then that's kind of where PicFu fits in. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know and your experience in in the mobile space and just generally user acquisition, um, with traditional game development, I mean, even though it's surface level, I think you kind of understand like it's very privatized until basically release, right? And everything 
is uh is very um strategized to when we talk about it when we don't talk about it when we share a screenshot when we scare when you look at that when you hear about that like what are your reactions just based on your experience like is it just does it not work is, is it silly why we keep doing that is it because you know i feel like your people on the traditional side is either needing an update or or just they just know things that we don't know or or what is it exactly because obviously there's overlap but there's no one's overlapping on 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 just moving moving models yeah. you know i mean there I, I feel like there's been a trend more in in the tech space uh, at least on the tech side of things to want uh to build in public um i don't know there's obviously pros and cons to that. I think, mm, I don't know how prevalent that is um, on the indie gamer side of things. I'm, I, I belong to a couple of groups of um, like indie gamer devs where I do see a lot of people, uh, individuals like sharing their work in that space. And I think that's great. They get a lot of, they get a lot of great feedback from other members of the group. Yeah. Um, one could argue that that's, great for support but probably but getting feedback from your peers on your work is probably not the right kind of feedback that you would want in terms of actually feedback to hone your game and hone the thing that you're creating for your target audience um so I'm not sure. I'm I'm a little torn here. I I do think people get a lot of benefit and support from sharing what they're working on in their like to their circles. Um in terms of actual feedback of uh getting feedback from your target market, I do think that earlier is better and it um with solutions like Pikfu it doesn't need to be public, right? And I think that's one of the benefits is that we have um we we tap into a panel of 10 million consumers in the US. Um, all everyone who responds uh has to agree to an NDA first. And so for that reason, we are used by some of the biggest, some of the biggest studios in gaming and also a lot of indie gamers as well, uh indie game creators as well, to be able to sort of test, flex their creativity in a private sandbox and be able to get quick feedback to to move forward. And what is the general makeup of these 10 million? Are are they just various people, various countries, various backgrounds? Or? Yeah. So, um, so our reach right now is 10 million in the U S and 5 million, um, internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've done is that, you know, so the large games companies and I guess large like CPG consumer goods companies like Procter and Gamble and stuff as well. They have these internal insights departments, right? Like, um, um, and you, you're probably familiar with this, like working at AAA, um, in the AAA org, like there are these really big insights departments where, um, different internal teams can contract with them to run large user studies. Right. Those insights departments work with external market research vendors and consultants. And then those, market research consultants, let's say you want to do a study on how many females might be interested in a, you know, like a match three puzzle game of a certain theme, then set up a survey, it goes through all these little hoops. And then eventually you have a market research consultant who taps into consumer panels to run the survey. Mm-hmm. So instead of that whole line of, um, like hop hops and connections, we built pick food directly on top of those same consumer panels, the same ones that the market research, like the enterprise grade market research, uh, analysts use. We built a, we built pick food using software on top of those same consumer panels, tie them all together with our own, uh, layer of data quality and quality assurance, and then actually enabled, um, demographic targeting. So while the 10 million in the U S are just broad U S consumers, what we've done at PicFu is enable you to do the targeting by different demographics and then much deeper than that. So, uh, we enable targeting by different, um, mobile gaming platforms like iOS and Android standard gaming platforms. Most of all the big consoles, um, you can target by gamers who like specific genres as well, like like strategy games, puzzle games, um, um, 
you know, simulations and so on. Um, so even though the panel itself is broad, we do allow you to target down into the niche that you are, uh, that you are targeting with your, with what you're creating. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like a, a large part of your uh, clients are, are mobile companies because it makes sense to they get it. You guys, you guys are speaking the same languages. Mm -hmm. Have there any been any use cases of console developers or you guys kind of yes. advertising to yeah. them? All right. So how do they, yeah, absolutely the service? And yeah. So, um, so the, the initial, the initial, uses of pickfu were on the marketing side of things after the game had been created and it, they were testing marketing uh right like marketing images and collateral and so on uh what we found that even in those organizations usage of pickfu has actually moved earlier in the process so what pickfu is now more used for in-game companies is actually um during the creative phase the uh the creative phase of the game so mm -hmm testing character designs, mm -hmm. testing, uh, testing game themes, testing, uh, we had a, we had one indie developer, um, the stories on our blog, he was trying to create a, uh, he was trying to make a game called the super eighties world. Uh, it was a simulation kind of a side scrolling simulation with like a very eighties pixelated game theme. And he was, he used Pickfu to both test the name, mm -hmm. the logo, um, the character design, um, and then also the character animation, like whether the character mm -hmm. would be walking or running in a very animated way, if it was running, how animated would the motions be? Like he was able to test all of this stuff while he was developing, uh, while he was developed, creating the game. Uh, so, um, and he was just running short polls of about 50 people each, getting feedback, reading through everything, and then, um, and then iterating on that process. Mm, that's fantastic. Like, it, it's, it's always a mystery to me what, that, you know, concept developers or traditional game developers aren't learning from the mobile industry. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, it seems like you can name me probably a hundred conferences I've never heard of. That seems to be huge and 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 and, and yearly and annual or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I can probably name you ten more that you probably yeah. never heard of. <laughs> right. And it's very odd to me that you know the gaming as a whole uh, have moved into this like Goliath of industry. Yeah. But we, we're just always seem to be separated. Um, in, in completely different approaches, right? There might be some overlap, yeah. but I've never really seen, you know, EA utilizing these techniques or, or t t to a way that makes sense to do, to a way to the refinement that the mobile industry have, have, have taken, yeah. you yeah. know, user acquisition very seriously. I mean, I wonder if the EA mobile side of things, um, um, we've worked with some people who've come out of EA and so on. And I think I, maybe their mobile game division is a little more uh, enlightened. I don't know. Different approaches, right? <laughs> if it's not FIFA, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like when, when it comes to market validation, right, which is yeah. so important, it seems to make complete common sense. Right. Um, the mobile market is obviously a, a leading platform for, anything at this point mm -hmm. there's always talks about an, another emergent technology you know there's rumors about apple at the end of the year with their ar device right obviously there's meta with their vr which is kind of in a stalemate in my opinion right yeah um not not even talking about like the stuff that elon musk is doing with the embedded chips in your brain like Neuralink, yeah yeah so yeah i mean mobile seems to be always going to be the mainstay and all these things might hit off might not do you see of anything else kind of taking over the place of mobile or evolving you know the handheld devices um um i think mobile is probably going to be the mainstay it's the at this point, it feels like the best um, combination of portability and power mm -hmm. uh, and accessibility to power those experiences. I mean, you know, I'll probably be proven wrong in about five years when everyone's wearing Apple glasses or goggles or whatever it is, Yeah, if it really takes off. But even at that point, um, 
yeah, I don't see mobile going away for, for a long time. Um, and I think as, I think that as new devices come online for people to, um, to experience, I feel like that's actually just going to augment the mobile, um, mobile capabilities. Like, I don't think that people are going to leave the house without some kind of device with them. So I feel like mobile gaming is the opportunity for mobile gaming and sort of mobile experiences is only going to grow like yeah. uh, as time goes on. Well, every year there seems to be a, a new buzzword in investor circles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Last year was so much hype. The year before that was blockchain. This year's yeah. AI, right? So yep. I have to ask you about, you know, what do you see there that is going to be helpful in your industry, uh, in your part of the woods? Is um, there, you know. Yeah, I think that it was interesting going to game, uh, game developer conferences in previous years where blockchain was getting big. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I have, I did not get myself too deep into the world of blockchain and web three games and so on. I mean, I spoke to a bunch of companies around that, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to see the enthusiasm around which, uh, people were building there. I think with I think AI feels like it has a lot more legs in terms of being, um, a tool that unlocks the creativity for game creators. Um, it felt like blockchain was more of a, like web three and blockchain was more of a feature to put into games. And whereas AI is fundamentally changing the tool set available for creators. And I think, and I'm personally super excited about that. Um, because now when you can, use these AI models to speed up your work and generate things that you could only describe in words, but maybe you weren't as so effective as a designer or, or some kind of coder. Um, yeah, there's just going to be this huge proliferation of uh, many, many, many more games and creativity. Um, as it affects us, I think that, um, I think that AI as a tool makes it super easy to create things that look pretty good. Um, I think the natural pairing of that is to use, you can create things with AI, but you should, you should test it with real humans. That's, that's my personal take. And mm -hmm. so that's, I see that as a good thing for, um, there's just more of a need for platforms like PicFu where you can get real feedback from unbiased people so that when you're going to release some kind of um, creative workout in the world, you know, you have a better idea of how people are going to respond to it. Right. It's definitely, um, it's a lot easier to understand. Like being a digital yeah. artist, I, I had a hard time even explaining what NFT was because mm -hmm. I didn't really fully understand the usage of it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's like, what well, you want to own, you know, the, the description of where this or originated. Right. Like, right. <clears throat> and yeah. I think AI, I mean, it's proving itself to be practical. People can literally go to being right now and, 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 and play with it and, and see the usefulness. Exactly. How it could be like an AI assistant of some sort. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, like you said, it's already transforming how people are approaching game development, uh, uh, hopefully improving workflow. But uh, I mean, I just recorded an episode just talking about how the tools have gotten better the last 10 years, but at least yeah. in traditional gaming, you know, day one bugs is kind of like the norm now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> when we were growing up, games were ready and done, you know, literally done when it's inside a, a box, uh, uh -huh. a CD, right? Any, anything less than that was a scam. Right. But now it's yeah. accepted that it, it's an empty CD or, 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 you know, day one, you have to sit there for 20 gigs and, and download things. Yeah. We've, uh, yeah, I mean, some of my friends have been sending me a whole bunch of interesting AI, new AI tools for creating game assets. And so 
it's fascinating how powerful these things are nowadays. It's, and it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's going to get better. I think everyone's uh, appetite grows with that. And they're like, well, I yeah. can do more. I can put more. Exactly. I'll spend just the same amount of time when it's, mm-hmm. you should be editing down, right? Which I, I that, that that is why I've always <clears throat> loved the mobile industry. Hmm. I personally don't play any mobile games because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of old school. I'm, I'm weird in that way. I, I respect it. But something about the phone, I, I just never really like playing games on it. Yeah. Um, like I, I pl- I'll play on my Steam Deck because I'm comfortable uh-huh. with it. Yeah. But with mobile games, even though the games I know are, are awesome, I worked at a mobile company, I can see that it's gotten a lot better, everything all around. Mm-hmm. I just never got around to touching it. Yeah. Um, whatever that is, right? I think it's like a pigment of why there is no overlap between the industries. Yeah. Why everyone kind of stays in their corners. Um, you know, we've had basically the last few years, like I kind of dive into a lot of these projects, not being complete upon shipping. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, and your, 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 your way of doing things over at pick food, it, it, it sounds like you guys have been doing it for years. It's like the last, basically since mobile, uh, came onto the scene, this, this was the thing, right? Yep. Um, what, what, what is going on where, uh, these companies just continuously just hold on to their project for so long before sharing anything public? And, and do all these kind of user uh, testing beforehand. Or, I mean, they're doing their own user testing, but it's ineffective, obviously, because these games are, are really hard to sell and, and move. Are you, are you talking more about like smaller studios or larger ones too? S- smaller and larger. Stu- I think smaller studios are a little bit more open. I, I see the same thing. You know, it's like, hey, yeah. I, I made an update, check it out. Right. But, you know, how effective it is really depends. Um, in terms of sell through, right? In terms yeah. of once the game ships, the big companies yeah. are—I feel like—are still doing the same thing. We we recently just talked about a game called Redfall from mm-hmm. Arcane Studios, right? And it's like Microsoft—it's the big biggest Microsoft game this year, right? Uh-huh. And it completely flopped. And you know, we we had a trailer, people were excited, and then it came out, and it was just everything but. Right. And it's just like, it's just every year. It's kind of like that. Um, Yeah. There's that game. Like you can, if you were to make a wager, you can bet on these games being a flop more, more than funny. Uh huh. Yeah. And so it's, um, at least on the traditional gaming side, traditional game developer side, it's hurting us as an industry because, you know, investors are not gonna want to put any more money in projects like these. Yeah. And then at the same time, users are even more pickier with their $60, totally. $70. So I guess the long-winded question is that <laughs> with your background experience, you know, yeah. not saying that you have the antidote, just, just, you know, speculative. Yeah, totally. As an exercise, what, what, what can we do to fix this, man? I think, I, I think, uh, I think from the it feels like from the console studio side of things that there's just, there's a culture, uh, maybe it, maybe they need a cultural shift and more, uh, more mixing with, um, your people. (laughs) No, I mean, not my people. I mean, my people are, (laughs) my people are more just, uh, like tech, uh, a tech platform, but maybe more from the mobile gaming side of things, you know, like, I think there's, uh, there's, I like to, you know, there's a saying we have, um, I like to like to tell people that it's, you know, it's important to test before you invest. Right. Like, and I think that, um, maybe that's not something that people who've grown up or spent most of their career in like the console, the console world, um, or the, like that platform world have realized is available to them, you know? And, and I think, um, as we've grown our team, um, we've seen, and, and definitely back when I was at Microsoft, like culture, company culture is real. Um, like company culture is a real thing and it's very hard to change a company culture. Um, and so if they're, 
trying to be a little more flexible and trying to mitigate their risks, I think that can be very challenging from a from a top-down perspective to say like, okay, now suddenly everyone needs to do more testing and needs to do more validation of their of sort of their hypotheses for this game, for this game concept before we push forward with it. Um and I don't think that's I, I think that's much less so on the gaming side of things because one, because of all the data and sort of like the quick release cycles and ability to keep um updating and just sort of the data centricity of that um of that industry versus I guess the console side. You know, um with your analytical background, I want to ask you this question. When the <laughs> pandemic happened, happened, you know, there was a huge push for remote working, right? Yeah. Um, by 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 force, by necessity. Now you're seeing a lot of tech companies kind of retracting those things. And if anything, they're really pushing the other way mm-hmm. to like get people back together again because they're seeing like huge delays in terms of communication as well. It's just not there uh, as effective. Yeah. Um, you know, just being in these pockets and maybe from your own experience, like wh- how has it been? Like, it, it, has it been a net plus net that's, you know, negative in, in terms of just people just being separated? Yeah. Um, good question. Uh, we've, um, so at PicFu, we've always been remote, um, for many years. And so we were remote before the uh, we were remote before the pandemic started, obviously, you know, have stayed remote ever since. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in, in the industry who've always worked in person and it's been interesting to see them, uh, go through, uh, the getting acclimated to remote work and then going back into the office and so on. And I feel like, I feel like I see a lot of companies that are struggling trying to figure out some kind of happy medium. Like I think the, uh, the executive levels really want people back in the office if they have an office, because otherwise, why are you paying so much money for an office? Right. And I think, I think in person work when done right and everyone is there is probably more effective. Mm. But, um, where I've seen things fail is trying to do some kind of hybrid where part of the team is in office and part of the team is out of the office. And then you run into all these, uh, you run into a situation of the haves and have nots, right? Like the haves of being in physical space with the, uh, with the rest of the team. And then the have nots who are remote and feel like they're, they're sort of second-class citizens and participating in meetings and so on. Um, I think that definitely doesn't work. So it feels like company, uh, like company owners need to either pick kind of pick a lane, yeah. right? Like either you're, you're in person or you're not, but, but stick with it. Um, for ourselves, for, for PicFu, we've always been remote. And we try to lean really hard into it. Um, you know, it's not as it's not as easy to collaborate if we're not all in an office. But we we're trying to do our best with um, sort of the team makeup, diversity, flexibility of time and schedule, and everything. And and we we feel like we've done a pretty good job of that so far. Yeah, there definitely feels <clears throat> by default a threshold of of people that can actually handle. Yes, remote. Yeah. Yeah, I think you get a different teams. different type of people for sure. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think you know, a, kind of like a, a a gloss over, like everyone remote. You know, hundreds of people. It's like, yo, that's never gonna work. <laughs> I think people yeah. by nature, at least in a mob or a crowd, are, are lazy to a certain yeah. degree. I mean, you, yeah. you try to hide more than try to stand out, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, a lot of companies were finding that out uh, pretty quickly. You know, yep. as projects got pushed back and, um, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think everybody was like, oh, it's going to be hybrid forever at least. Right. But yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with you with, with people being half gone hot, have not. And then, you know, when it comes to layoffs or promotion, you know, who, who, totally. who, who are you going to prefer? Right. The guy exactly. next to you or yeah. some, some guy in Arkansas or whatever. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's, you know, you're not really, um, painting yourself a good picture. I had so many friends that were so absolute that this was going to mm-hmm. be a thing forever moved to a farm like in the middle of nowhere it's like dude <laughs> it's like you're you're jumping the gun a bit man yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so you know they're kind of you know uh coming back to reality from that a bit um but i mean how how have you 
I guess with companies like you're working with that are using the data to kind of change market, have you seen a lot of projects just completely like this is no good, nothing's working, go back to the drawing board, start from zero again with lesser people? I mean, have the, what was the most drastic changes have you seen by, by utilizing this technique that actually made the project better? Um, no. Oh yeah, big, like, bigger sacrifice is like yo, you know, rethink this whole formula. It is not, this is not a thing. We've um, so I don't think I've seen as many of those stories from our users on the um, on the gaming side. I think uh, like we we've definitely done helped with relaunches and sort of game uh, conceptualizing games um, as they're being built. So it's not. If if you're using if you're getting consumer feedback with Pickfu earlier in the process, then hopefully you won't have to get. If you're doing these small tests along the way, then hopefully you're validating your decisions, and so you don't have to get to a point where you're scrapping the entire thing, right? Like I think I think it helps reduce the risk of that. We have seen um, in other industries, we've definitely seen scenarios where uh, things have been scrapped completely because um, they've like let's say in e-commerce we have uh we have a lot of people who are trying to manufacture their own products mm -hmm. um they come up with a great idea or some kind of invention or something some kind of novel take on on a like an everyday product and they want to make their own version and then sell it on amazon or sell it on ebay or something mm -hmm. um we have seen a lot of people using pickfu to concept test those ideas mm. um you know pull say 500 people and what they think are their target audience in their target audience like um and come back and realize holy crap like the demand that i have for this product is not there mm. the um or it's there but it's there people aren't willing to pay at a price that I need to sustain my business. Mm. And so we've seen a lot of, we, and that's a great thing. I see that as a yeah. great thing, right? That's, that's avoiding, um, that's avoiding a future failure and that should be celebrated as a, as a success, right? Mm. Uh, like it's just as, it's just as valuable to, uh, to avoid something that would have turned out poorly down the line, mm -hmm. uh, by testing earlier in the process. How often in terms of percentages, is it like the creatives kind of using to test ideas or, or marketing agencies trying to come up with ideas and just throwing uh, a shotgun approach? Like or um, is it one of the same, you know, it's kind of one in the same. Yeah. I think, I think it just depends on who, who's using it. Right. Like they're, uh, it, it depends on the roles in the company. So we do have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of marketing agencies who use, um, you are using PickFu to test marketing collateral, mm. right? They're not involved. Their specific roles may not be, they might not be specifically involved in the creation of the product, whether that be a game or some kind of physical good or something, but they're out to market. And so they can definitely use PickFu very effectively to get uh, better communicate um, value props, like the benefits of this game, like something novel features, uh, better convey their messages. Um, but we're, and, and I personally love working with people who are actually creating the product, the game itself, right? Because I, I think the earlier that you're testing in the process, the more impactful the feedback, the data uh, is going to have on shaping the direction and sort of the path that of whatever it is that you're creating. Are there some examples, let's say <clears throat> I'm a single developer, sub 10 yeah. developer, sub 50 developer, and I'm, I'm, I have this idea, like how early have you seen game developers kind of test ideas, adjust accordingly, and how long do they use it? Is it basically till shipping or mm -hmm. just to get through the conceptual stages? Oh, no, we see it all the way through. So uh, we've seen... Um, we've seen developers just have writ throw up written descriptions of games. So let's say that there's, uh, you're trying to build some kind of match three puzzle, like some kind of puzzle game or some kind of, some, some kind of RPG. Uh, we've seen developers who have an idea for an RPG, but don't quite have a storyline or don't quite have, um, sort of like a world worked out and they will put up, they will put up a poll because you can pull, 
Um, you can pair up to eight different things. Those things being either all text, video, audio images. Um, and so they'll pull just put up written descriptions of games that they want, um, game themes that they're thinking of. So they know they want to make like an RPG, but they don't quite know the storyline yet. And they can, they'll literally put up different iterations and different versions of storylines that they want to build through Mm -hmm. and then choose a storyline based on that, then come back with some conceptual art, um, literally like pencil sketches or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, like the equivalent equivalent, like digital equivalent, put up sketchboards of different, of different game themes based on that storyline. Once they choose that, they come back with different characters, mm. testing out the characters of, you know, what, uh, what type of hero or what class of hero would you want to play uh, as sort of like the main character of that RPG um, and, and just have this iterative testing process throughout the game development process. Right. So a few years ago, um, you might think this is separate. Like, why is he asking me this? But I feel that like there's connection, right? So uh-huh. before the pandemic, you know, Kickstarter, indie publishing, you know, direct consumer to, 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 uh, creative, right. Yeah. Getting out of the middleman was, was such a huge thing. Um, yeah. in some respect, you know, uh, board games are, are still having their, their moment in, in those websites, but it's, it's died down a bit. The most valuable thing I saw was the direct to customer feedback that those websites were encouraging, right? right? Yeah. Uh, indirectly. I mean, it wasn't, a, a, you know, it wasn't really designed for that, but it, mm-hmm. I think it was a byproduct, a very successful byproduct. Yeah, totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that that's been missing. I mean, I feel like PickFu, to a certain extent, what you guys have been doing in the mobile industry have, have kind of done that in a professional level, yes. right? <clears throat> but like uh, like that, you know, being able to connect to people before you finish the product. Um, have you seen anything like that? Anything that you can make connections to that it's all, this is starting to happen or remnants of that is still alive and well um you know from um, what you just yeah just like i think i think it was really interesting to see the crowdsource um the crowdfunding wave rise and i wouldn't say it crashed i mean i think i think the buzz around crowdfunding has definitely died down in popular culture not, um but you know i st- i still know that it's like very much alive and well you know just like Sorry, sorry about that. Um, just like how eBay um, was really big a long time ago, and now it's kind of disappeared from popular culture. But in fact, eBay is still a huge market for goods. Um, you know, uh, and so I, I think there are certain I've seen certain verticals who've really taken to the crowdfunding uh, theme, um, and the yeah, but I haven't seen anything else. Uh, like I think. Board games have done really, really well with crowdfunding and I think are still really strong on that. Uh, I'm kind of curious why from the indie game developer side, more hasn't been done. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that much else um, besides maybe, I, I guess, using Discord and like community marketing to help get that uh, sort of try to build that community yeah. um, during the development phase. I would say the scams probably had a little to do with. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's maybe where blockchain and like Web three and some of that other stuff may not have uh, done so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a recurring yeah. thing because I, the idea of it, the the I mean, there was a lot of good games came out of it. Um, it, it you know helped you know smaller developers you know connect in a way that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, and it's just not popular. I mean, a new gener. I mean, three years. Basically, it's a whole cr- new crowd that probably didn't even, yeah. don't even know about Kickstarter at this point. Yeah, that are, that's true. Are actually consumers. Yeah, and uh, it's unfortunate because I, I felt like it was a, a a thing that could have grown to further help making products for people that actually want it. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And and if, if anything, it's it's again where we're we're, we're 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 taking a bit step back 
mm-hmm. um, and, and spending more money on, on products <laughs> that people don't want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you work with different industries. Uh, the closest cousin that we have is, you know, the movies and TV. And I always look at how they're doing things in terms of business yeah, uh, and how we can borrow some of that. Um, with your experience working with other industries, what have you seen, even within their platform, PickFu, is like, man, you guys should be doing this um, and, and, and are not. Like, what are some examples that you can think of as like, you know, these other industries are kind of ahead of us in, uh, in certain things? Yeah, um, great question. So we, we work with a lot of people in e-commerce, um, also very much similar to the um, just as data driven as the mobile games industry, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing, uh, some of the, some of the things that the e-commerce side of, uh, the e-commerce side of our users do is pretty interesting. Uh, one thing in particular is actually running tests on benefits and claims um, I love seeing that on the e-commerce side. And I think that, um, I, I think that on the gaming side, that could be better tested in terms of, um, like, what is it that you're trying to communicate with your target user or your target gamer, right? right. Like there's, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of what you would call like marketing jargon or mm. things that you would use to market your game. Um, they all might sound great in your head, or there might be one or two that stand out, but I could almost guarantee you that the one that you think is going to work best is probably not going to work best uh, to your target audience. And so I see a lot of sort of, I see a lot of messaging testing Mm. on the e-commerce side to great effect, like, like really tremendous results uh, in terms of driving sales. Yeah. Um, like driving up sales on Amazon or eBay or, or that their own sites, uh, because they're sending the right message to the right people, you right. know, like there's, right. um, not just the one that the person, not just the one that the owner or the creator likes the most, but the one that they've actually tested and can understand why people react the way that they do to this message. Right. And I think that there's a big opportunity in games, uh, to be doing more of that message testing to uh, like to the gamers, like to, to your target gamers, like um, whether um, and I see this a little bit on the mobile side where, yeah. you know, on the, on the app store, you look at a mobile game and there's, there's, there's a set of screenshots. Um, there's usually some kind of benefit or claim in text on the screenshots, right? Like play with your friends, three V three, um, you know, um, 20 character, you know, 20 characters to choose from or whatever. Um, I think it's really vital to test that kind of messaging to Mm -hmm. see what are like, what's actually going to resonate with, with the target user. Cause that's, that's really what's going to drive a lot of conversion. Yeah. I I mean, not just games, movies, all types of entertainment. Yeah. The best way to sell is word of mouth. Yeah. And I do see the same thing. Like creatives just have a very poor, concise summary of their own games. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah. If, you know, if you tell me something I can't explain to my friend, the, the, the game is dead in terms of marketing right there. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. With mobile, it seems like they're, I mean, they're run by sharp. marketers. Basically. They're sharp. Yes. They're very sharp. Yeah. They're concise. They don't mess around. It's like, this yeah. is what we were trying to sell. This is what you, we want you to repeat to your friends. Uh, yeah. So there's a whole side of that, 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 that it's just not common ground for, for game companies. Yeah. Um, and we see these interviews all the time and it's like, it's a, it's the, it's a creative director and he's explaining his game and it's like 30 minutes long. I was like, what am I looking at? Just get to it. You know, it's the, it's the same problem where, uh, gamers are, are, are untrustworthy when it comes to game trailers. Now, when it's all CG and not gameplay, um, mm-hmm. the, yeah, it feels like the patients have, have definitely grew thin and, and in terms of knowledge from gamers, they're a lot more aware of game development practices yeah and they kind of see through a lot of the bs now 
mm-hmm. um, a lot a lot sharper than when I remember growing up. If I saw a pretty <laughs> picture on a box, I would have bought it. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. It says Final Fantasy. I'm I'm down. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, uh, but now it's like, well, how do developers feel? Do they? Do they do they work on this game under crunching hours? It's like what the hell? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Where do you even read that? You know. Yeah. Um, so a lot a lot smarter, but like you said, I think yeah, concise marketing terminology that that is it, it's it was there at the beginning for a reason. It works, right? Yep. Um. So as we kind of see the industry, uh, ever changing, right? Um, but. You know, in a large part too, pretty much the same, right? I mean, the graphics might get better, the phone might yeah. get stronger, all that in this. Um, what have you learned that is just gonna always stay true in terms of if I have a product and I'm I'm just trying to get it to the right people, or having people tell me if it's the right thing for them, right? What um, what what will always remain in terms of no, not depending on technology or whatever. Yeah. Um, what will always be true is that the more that you can communicate, uh, with your target audience, um, earlier in the process, the better your success will be. Mm-hmm. I think that'll hold true forever. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. That's awesome. Have they used, have you, last question. (laughs) Sure. I'm pretty sure you have a lot of user cases that actually uh, use PicFu or or the mm-hmm. same, you know, kind of techniques yeah. to, to approach investors to kind of get more money to develop. Like, has that ever, is that a, like a use case that's very... Yes, common? it actually is. That's, okay. uh, that's, um, we... PicFu, <laughs> kind of like going back to the origin where, um, my co-founder, my co-founder and I built PicFu to settle our debates and being two really good friends. Um, it's, it's not just about, um, it wasn't just about getting to the core of what people thought and preferred. It was also just as much about using those, the poll results when we were done and showing it to the other person and saying, look, right. you know, I'm right. You're wrong. Or maybe you're right. I'm wrong or whatever it is. Um, that dynamic completely applies in so many ways for using PicFu to support your own point, right? We have, uh, we have marketing agencies who use PicFu as in their pitch material when they're trying to pitch a new client, because they'll say, Hey, we have the secret tool that we can validate all the work that we do for you before we even launch it. So we can prove to you that let's say we're redesigning your website. We can prove to you that your target audience prefers our design over yours. They'll use that in pitches or they'll use it when actually creating the work and show that, Hey, We've built this version of this game or this website or whatever this marketing thing is. And we've tested it with what we agreed to be our target audience and they prefer it better than what's out there right now. So it definitely works on the, uh, on sort of the proving your point side of things. Um, we've also, and we've seen some game, uh, game creators use it, um, in that same way that, Hey, I validated that this game, uh, this game has support that people like the, the way I've built, uh, built out the storyline or the theme here, or this character design that they can, they can actually show like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like they, they, they can actually show these poll results to uh, potential investors and so on, and basically relieve that risk in the, in the investor's mind that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm just going out on a whim here. Like, I just need to trust this guy has a creative vision for it. Like the guy can have a creative vision, but also be backed up with real, like real consumer insights. 
mm-hmm. that his vision is correct. Perfect. Yeah. I've always had this idea that, you know, <clears throat> at least in traditional gaming, you know, yeah. when you talk to marketing agencies, it's like, so how much should I reserve for the budget? It's like half, right. it's like half, half of what? <laughs> yeah, half of the whole exactly. budget. And it's like, you want to sell your game, right? It's just as important right. as creating the game. It's like, it's always been, yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. <clears throat> and uh, I've always thought, you know, involving marketing at the beginning is as part of the creative team just only makes sense. And like you said, the mobile industry are doing that. They've been doing yeah. that. If anything, their department outnumbers the creative department yeah. like, by two or three times. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's funny how, how to keep seeing that dynamic. And and when I tell these stories to my traditional game developers, I was like, what, you know, because we kind of grow on completely different spectrums of totally. Yeah. They don't understand. And, and when I asked about, you know, guys like you, people who are in the mobile industry, it's like, what websites do you look at all the time? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, it's always like foreign to me. It's like, um, because you guys really do concentrate on the selling part. Um, yeah. and yeah. it makes sense when you're having a product of any kind you need you need both sides for sure i mean there's we've we've seen a lot on the mark on the mobile side where the entire org you know 90 percent of the org is selling and 10 percent is just yeah. right like hyper casual skinning of the same engines and so on and it's a uh, you know that's not it's not moving the needle on on innovation yeah exactly on the craft i guess but but you'll squeeze that that juice as much as <laughs> like I've they seen... will squeeze the juice out of that rock. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I mean, this wraps about an hour. I want to thank you for coming on, John. Hopefully, that was a painless hour. No, that was a super fun through. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm always, I always kind of see you guys as having the pulse on what's going on. Uh, obviously, you're helping a lot of game companies. Uh, indie small mobile uh get better user acquisition and and just a better understanding of the landscape out there um one last question before i kind of let you go all right has the audience changed in terms of taste you know how often do you see is it like every three years every four years there's a big shift in, in terms of like we're not into this game anymore or this type of genre or this type of thing we're into this thing is is there a pattern to kind of rely on here odd um, years even years you know <laughs> give us like a scoop on yeah you know that's like that's a really good question um i don't so pickfu's primarily used it so that's a hard question for me to answer directly because pickfu's primarily used not for like the broad big picture like survey of gamers right mm-hmm. where like we're not sending out big surveys to all these like thousands of gamers um like asking their preferences and so on. So you could probably find a better picture of like answer to that question based on sales data more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think PickFu is generally more used on like micro polls on very specific things, right? Like what do, what do a hundred uh, mobile strategy gamers think about this RPG concept? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that then is harder to generalize across the board. Um, I think one thing that, we did do that was interesting actually was um, we did run a larger survey in the past year or so around um, around gaming toxicity. I think we were, we were working with a different firm who um, they were trying to get broader insights. And so that, I think the rise of toxicity has been kind of like, you know, an unfortunate, but common thing uh, on these, on these platform games. Um, Yeah. I mean, we've, we do have the opportunity to dig in more. We just haven't spent as much of our time to dig into like the broader, like the broader trends. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot of haters. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think, uh, yeah, I think that a lot, that has a lot more to do with the protection of the internet. Yeah. Than anything. Yeah. I know. The anonymity. The anonymity is a, uh, it's a, it's a shield and it's, a it's shield. an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate one. Yeah, but they are creeping yeah. out. You know, they forget when we meet in person. Like, oh, you can't say those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're showing themselves a bit sometimes by yeah. accident. So yeah. it's funny. Uh, I think it's going to balance each other out. Uh, if Hope it, so. Yeah. But uh, this is the part of the podcast. You know, I want to thank you. 
Yeah. Hand over the mic. Shut up. I think I know what you're going to talk about, but you know, I'm going to give you your time to kind of talk to the listeners directly out here. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, first of all, thank, thanks Brandon for having me on. I really appreciated the time and enjoyed the chat. Um, I think it's just important that, uh, if you're, if you're putting your time and passion into creating something that it's important to get some outside feedback on, um, on what you're creating. So that that's all I have to say is, uh, it's good. It's good to do that thing. Uh, the, the test before you invest. That makes sense. And it rhymes. Um, <laughs> so you can find all the links in description and then, uh, you know, connect with John and in, 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 in the show notes. Uh, I want to thank you, John, for coming on. That was a delightful chat. You know, anytime you want to come back, just let me know. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. 